Welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but we take pride ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. <laughs> Begrudgingly. Well, now I'm going to get it. You, know, <laughs> you are not Carrie Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think it happened once before camp and she just resumed right where she left off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are not Carrie Poppy. I'll be honest, this is not the episode for that little girl anyway. A fair point. Well, actually, that's a, that's a good transition. So we're in this episode. We're very excited. Yeah. We've got an interview guest that we hinted at that we might have Isis Aquarian. Isis was the archivist and historian and a ranking member of the Source family. You may have listened to our episode on the Source family reunion dinner held at Gratitude in Beverly Hills. If you haven't, you might be missing a little bit of the context here. So suffice it to say, this was a, a group that was very much part of the hippie and new age zeitgeist of the late 60s and early 70s. They were very active from especially 72 to 74 or 75 in Los Angeles and then in Hawaii. And they had a founder named Father Yod. We'll be talking about him a lot. His original name was Jim Baker. And they had a few restaurants in L.A. that kind of uh, were, were part of the big boom in health food restaurants and health food stores. And veganism. Yeah, they were all vegans. What, what? So anyways, we were saying this was a transition because there are some content warnings here we should give you about yeah. where this discussion will go kind of later on. Yeah, this is often hard for us to do on this show because we do deal with so many serious topics and mm -hmm. we will brush by a lot of things that can be upsetting for people to hear about. But in this particular case, we do want to give you a heads up because there are so many packed in here. So this episode is going to deal with uh, self-harm, sexual coercion, child abuse, and bodily fluids. So if you're, uh, if you're trying to avoid any of those in particular, just be forewarned. I think most of that will come kind of after a jumbotron if, yeah. if you need sort of a, a break to look for. Yeah. And with that... Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> and by the way, we're taking a week off to be with our sweeties for Valentine's Day. So we hope you all have a wonderful week that week. And we'll be back uh, the following week. That's right. Anyway, we got a hold of Icy's Aquarian via phone. She's in Hawaii. We had seen her at the Source family reunion dinner, but we didn't talk to her there. But right. she heard our show and she agreed to come on and talk to us. And then she did it, and it sounded like this. Hi, Isis. How are you? Doing, doing um, okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this with us. Sure. So, Isis, why don't you tell us about how you got involved in the Source family to begin with? I was living in L.A., actually engaged to a famous uh, rock and roll photographer, Ron Rosselli. Loved L.A., loved everything we were doing. Were you originally from L.A.? I grew up in the Air Force. My dad was a military man. Mm. So we had lived in California before, but, you know, I basically lived Oregon, California, Hawaii. Okay. A real coastal um, girl. Yeah. Oh, actually, we were living in Florida. My dad was stationed at Cape Canaveral. Hmm. Whenabouts was this that you were, uh, you know, working with your photographer slash boyfriend in L.A.? Uh, Mid-60s. Okay. Actually had met uh, Jim Baker when he had three famous restaurants on Sunset Boulevard, the Aware Inn, the Old World, and then the Source. Ah, yes. And 
he was actually known as a food guru. Jim Baker was a, an iconic Hollywood legend before he was even Father Yoad. Oh, okay. That's news to me. Yeah. In what way? Yeah. His restaurants were all very famous. Okay. Hmm. Everybody went to his restaurants. They were ahead of the curve. And he was, you know, he was an L.A. player. He was very good looking and he was very in with, you know, Warren Beatty and Steve Allen. And he was in with the in crowd and, and he was very well known. Interesting. Steve Allen yes. perks both of our ears. So those those two people seem like unlikely friends because Steve Allen was sort of not very into the spiritual side of things. Do you know anything about that friendship? Well, Jim Baker wasn't he didn't really start his spiritual trip until he sold the old world and kind of went on his journey in that Yogi Bhajan. Mm. Okay, so, so they knew each other before that. The way I describe Jim Baker is he was the ultimate animal man. He was a man's man, but he was a lady's man. Hmm. Now, the women loved him. He had a, a, a array of friends, from Jack Lane to Paul Braggs. So well-connected. When, when did you make the connection with him? Well, when I had moved to L.A. before I met uh, Ron, I had gone to the old world. I was actually introduced to him and his wife at the time. I actually became very good friends with his wife, Dora. Huh. It was kind of like there was a hole put on us. We never really kind of connected. We did, but we didn't. You thought maybe a relationship or something might arise sooner than it did? He was a playboy. And then I just kind of uh, moved on to another crowd and met Ron and then you know, we were doing our studio, and I hadn't seen Jim in a, in a year or two. I had heard that he had opened this restaurant called The Source. It was the beginning of this vegetarian restaurant that he had opened up. And we were looking for models for uh, Jesus Christ Superstar um, <laughs> poster we were doing. And He's got the Ron look. Said, um, I need some Jesus-type-looking people to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, I, you know, I heard that my old friend Jim has him at this restaurant. There's he has a collection of Jesuses. Wearing robes. I stepped onto the source patio. He came out looking like Moses, you know. Oh, so his, close. You wanted Jesus and you got Moses. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, with women following him and beautiful young people at the source. And it was just like something happened. I just. I clicked, hmm. and I never looked back. Did you have to go home and think about it and then return the next day, no, or just no. immediately a member? No, I, it was immediately I was, um, something happened. Hmm. I was, it was, it was if I knew this is what I was there for, I instantly knew that we had made agreements before incarnating. Mm. And uh, he confirmed that. Just like my destiny was, that was it. It was set. What was the and confirmation? I, did he just kind of agree with you, or did he have some kind of evidence of that? No, he looked at me, and he said, I, I've been waiting for you. It was like a cosmic download, and then he voiced it. Okay. Yeah. So I went back home, and I told Ron that I was going to join the first family, and I thought he would actually come with me. <laughs> yeah, I remember in the documentary, he was saying that that yeah, wasn't for him. Yeah, I asked him <laughs> to come with me, and he thought I was stark raving mad. He let me go, thinking that, you know, in a couple of weeks I would be back, well, but I didn't. And that was that. Mm. That next day, 
we were having the first birth of the family. Oh, and, uh, that was with uh, Sunflower and, and Solomon? Kevin. Yeah, that was the birth of Solomon. And I went back to the studio and I got some cameras and I just started documenting because that's what I was used to doing. Mm. Ah. That started my path of being a family historian and archive keeper. Which is so cool, and I think what really makes The Source stand out from so many other groups is that you have so much documentation. How much of that is yours, and how did you kind of make sure that you yourself were included in the in the documentation? Well, it was all mine, basically. I started it, and then I was just with him all the time, following him around, and I became like one of the family administrators and kind of handed the camera off to a, a Source brother only. And by that time, he liked the whole thing being, you know, recording. He said this will end up saving the legacy. Yeah. Well, which it did. Who has all that now? Does it take up a good chunk of your house? Uh, how many photos? How many well, videos I, do you have? I, you know, held on to the archives for 40-some years. Uh, being here in Hawaii, they started getting, uh, started deteriorating because of the climate. mm and just one day I went, you know, I got to figure this out. I got to do something. And that was about 15 years ago when I decided I was going to write the book. I never intended to be the one that wrote the book, but I couldn't get anybody else to do it. <laughs> Some people with families didn't even know they were in the Source family. They didn't even want their kids to know about the story. Okay. And, uh, so so how many of the former members do you think are still open about how they were in the Source family versus what percentage would you say just kind of don't talk about it? It's buried deep in the past for them. Well, since the documentary, the book, and all the publicity, and, and we've had a couple of family reunions, I think everybody's pretty open to it. There's, uh, you know, some people that, that are negative to it, and the realization that we all came to, and it was quite a shock to me when I came to it, was we didn't all have the same reality of that adventure. Mm. We all saw it through the lens of our own being, our own karmic experience that we had. We all were on a different path with it. So if we talk we to different people, we'll get different stories. Everybody has yeah, a different memory. Yeah, we didn't exactly memory. all have the same experience mm -hmm. with it. That's a really nuanced, lovely view that, you know, we all have these different experiences and we might see them, you know, totally subjectively. I feel like that's um, a little contrasting with some of the, the ways it was presented in the documentary where it felt more like Father Yod is the embodiment of God and everyone in the source kind of saw him that way and he really was what was the word? It was like your your earthly master or something like that. So how well, do you... we do? Yes, we went through those phases. We mm. actually went through all phases from the beginning of the family. We went through so many incarnations. You know, we experienced the American Indians, the Egyptians, the Hebrews. He took us through everything. He was on his path also. Mm -hmm. He was an incredible being. But you know, yes, it got messy at times. You know, we were all all trying to figure it out, including him. He had to figure it out, too, and there was bends in the road. Yes, mm -hmm. you know. I think we all got a passing grade. <laughs> we were a mystery school. You know, we weren't just hippies. <laughs> we were into the spiritual pursuit. Yeah. And it was new territory for him, for all of us. 
who is God? He was God to us. It's not uncommon to talk that way. It's not uncommon to talk about being in our Godhood or our Goddesshood. Oh, okay. So was he God in the same way that I'm God? Yeah. So, you know, 40 years ago, that was just like new territory. Mm. We, we saw each other as gods. We saw each other as spiritual beings. And he was the glue that kept it together. You know, we were like in kindergarten. It was like Spirit 101. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When he passed over, we all went on our own path and journey, and we're continuing the evolutionary process. That, that glue that held you all together kind of came apart. Yeah, each of us are, are continuing on our path. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely want to ask more questions about that. Well, one thing I know we both wanted clarification on, and we'd love your insight on, is kind of what the age of Aquarius is to you and is it something that we've passed into? Was it passed into at a certain time? Um, what, is, what are the effects of that, and can we see them now? Well, the age of Aquarius is a frequency that this planet and humanity have to up their ante to arrive to. We have to up our own frequency, and I think that just comes in time. And was the idea that the age of Aquarius would be when a certain critical mass of people had gotten to that stage of evolutionary development? Well, the age of Aquarius is for each individually Mm. as they grasp it. We're not all in the same grade level on this planet in this school of life. Mm. And some of us are going to get it before others, or some of us are going to get it differently. Okay. So... So there isn't necessarily a a worldwide shift during the age of Aquarius. It is a worldwide shift. It's been happening and is happening. Okay. So we are in the age of Aquarius now? Yes. uh, Astrologically, yes. Okay. Ah, Okay. And do you see anything big coming in the future? Are there any changes that uh, that you see happening? Look at the last couple of years. Look at just last year with climate change and, Mm -hmm. and people going veganism because no hurt or harm intended, mm-hmm. you know, getting back to being kind, just be kind is a big buzzword right now. We could it's, use a little more kindness. Putting people in more of an evolutionary process of, of that frequency that we're supposed to be heading towards, mankind is shifting to the heart over the mind. And it's basically the mind and heart in balance. But the true love that's always been spoken of by all the masters is the one where you have to come from the heart. The heart's going to, it's a new program for the age of Aquarius. It's a new mindset, mankind and planet and getting back to nature, which you see happening big time now, faster. You know, there was a point in the 60s and 70s where it was kind of like a portal opened, and we decided to step through it. Mm. It lasted maybe three to five years. Whether you were in a commune or ashram, apparently we found out. Everybody thought they were the only one, but there was thousands of them around the country where people gathered. Yeah, so what do you think made the Source family unique among all those different communities that were cropping up? Well, we were very wealthy. However, that didn't really mean a lot to us. You know, we were very simple in, hmm. in, in, in our living style. You were wealthy because of the, the proceeds the of the source. restaurant? Yes. And did you give up all of your possessions when you joined? Yes, because whatever I had didn't really fit the way we were living. Hmm. 
Yeah, there was a point where there were 140 of you living in a three-bedroom house, right? Yes, but we had what we called cubby holes we built, Mm -hmm. which is very popular now. They're little spaces. Mm -hmm. Japanese have them at the airport. Everybody had their own space. It worked out quite well. We took everything and made it sacred. So I'm curious, with the sleeping in cubbies, did Father Yod sleep in a cubby? No, he had a room. Hmm. He had his room. So in that three-bedroom house, were two of the bedrooms for 139 of you and one for one of you? Well, Father Yod had his own room. Mm-hmm. And he at one time, you know, sealed 14 of us as his wives. Mm-hmm. His wives. How did he approach you to, to be one of the wives? There were certain women that were always with him to begin with. I was always with him. You okay. Because I, mm-hmm. I was following him recording, kind of became his woman to begin with. And there was a point he sealed 14 of us and said, that's that. And that's mm. the way it was. And we became the fa- council of the family. And that's something that you were enthusiastic about? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was in agreement. There was no issue with me. Mm-hmm. I never, him and I never had any issues. We knew what our roles were. We knew what we were doing. We knew what we were there for. And uh, it was lifetimes of remembrance. You know, we had sacred herb that we only did once in the morning, which was marijuana. Mm -hmm. Diet was sacred. It was clean. It was organic. We were vegetarians. Our sex was tantric. It was sacred. We didn't have orgies. Oh, yeah, when we were there at the Gratitude I know, that was funny. That was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, did you get to the bottom of that? What were they thinking of? Yeah, 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 I did. I think it was maybe explosion and electricity who had mentioned there being eh, there was that one time with the orgy uh, what was that all about it wasn't an orgy it was you know within the family anybody could be who they wanted to be with mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not really quite sure what happened within that i think there was just a period where some people had got had smoked some marijuana when they weren't supposed to and they went off you know and had a little fun time together <laughs> And, you know, there was renegades here and there that I have heard stories about that, I, I mean, of course, I didn't know about. Hmm. You have 150 people, sure. and I think we did really good with, with <laughs> what and, we did with it all. Mostly young people, right? Was there anybody that was older than Father Yod that was part of the community? What was kind of the, the age range? He was in his late 40s, early 50s through the whole thing. We did have a few brothers that came in that were close to that. One was a Hungarian, Damascus. But most and, you people know, there were, were some, young. There were some, let me tell you, there were some young people that came in. There were some young girls that came in. But I will tell you, they were already on the street, and they weren't virgins. Mm. You know, it's, they were already living in what they called crash pads. And so you're you saying know, this was kind already, of a, a better situation for them? Yes, absolutely. And their parents knew where they were, and, and, and their parents said that. They said, well, at least they're not out on the street. I know where they are. They're mm. being taken care of. And I, I sense like a tiny bit of defensiveness in your voice. Do people bring this up as if it's um, something to be held against the Source family? No. Um, no. I don't, well... You know, I don't think so. I don't think I'm being defensive. Okay. <laughs> just, I'm telling, I'm telling my yeah. story. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't, 
it's like whatever anybody else got out of it or went through is theirs. Sure. You know, this just isn't the story I have. Okay. Mm. I'm, I'm curious about, uh, it seems like in the, the documentary, it didn't shy from using the word cult. And there was kind of a joking reference during the Cafe Gratitude evening. Uh, I'm curious, what, what do you think of that word? Do you think it applies to uh, the Source family? What, what is your relationship to cult as a, as a concept? Well, cult is culture, one's way of life. And Europeans have been doing it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Living communally and living in, um, oh, the Jewish have a word for it. Jeez, I can't remember what the name of it is. Mm. And that whole thing happened with Charles Manson. The press mm-hmm. needed a buzzword, and mm. that's when the word cult was devised. Mm. Okay. So cult always had a negative connotation to begin with right. in, in America. It didn't in Europe. Did we give up everything? Yes. Did we do it willingly? Yes. Mm-hmm. We were happy. We got, a, you know, I think we got, all of us got more out of that situation than dad, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Didn't have corporal punishment. You know, the, the children weren't spanked or hit or, you know, nobody was abused in the family. It comes down to they, maybe some people felt like, you know, they didn't want to be there. Why didn't they leave? I don't know. You know. Mm. So do you know of some people then who their experiences were largely negative? Yeah. Like I say, you know, there are people after the fact that said, well, I wasn't all that happy. Mm. Or now that I look back on it, you know, did I give my power away? Mm. And, you know, that's all everybody's, that's our process now and trying to figure it out. We all had an experience. That's why it's really kind of, it's really hard at times to explain it if you weren't there, if you didn't experience it, if you weren't part of it. Yeah. Well, I have to ask, yeah. since um, since you mentioned that no, none of the children were abused, there are some accusations out there about that. So one is that Father Yod would punish kids by putting them in a plywood box and close the lid. Were you ever aware of anything like that? That happened in... Uh, when we were in Kauai, and a box was made, and it was, it was, you, you know, it wasn't a box box, it was like a little shed. I mean, you could stand up in it, you could sit in it. Okay. And, and, the, and it's not like everything was closed and there was no air and it was dark. Okay. It's just they were confined until they, you know, calmed down or meditated. I don't know what that whole box thing was either. Did it work? How it, long was someone usually in the no, box? No, it was it, not very long. And no, it, we didn't do it very long. And that was basically... What, what's why, not very long? Three minutes? No, an hour? We're five, no, that was that never happened when we were in California or after. Well, tell us about the Source family's relationship to medicine, because I... Uh, I gleaned from the documentary that largely you guys didn't use hospitals and doctors. Is that right? We did not, but uh, there were times when we did. Uh, Somebody had broken their arm and and father actually sent them to the emergency room to get a cast. Mm. Mm. You know, there were times. But, you know, there was the mentality of we weren't the only ones that... 
you know, most communes, most ashrams, like Yogi Bhajan, believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, they it's were, a it's a very common view in yeah, religious circles. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that was the mentality of that time. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It was for that time frame. Mm-hmm. And and so, how do you feel about medicine now? Do you use it now? Uh, yes, I feel like it's good to integrate both. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still very holistic, but I do, you know. Uh, you get I'm your checkups stupid. at the doctors. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But I am very careful in 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 what medicines I take if I have to take them, mm-hmm. as you should and then be. How to offset them holistically. Hmm. So what do you think of those people who say, well, there were there were kids in this group and they were being denied medical care when they were too young to make that decision for themselves? What can I say? You know, it's uh, probably right. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but, mm. but what? What now? You know, <laughs> mm. that's like going back and talking about anything in history. Within that time frame, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Well, they didn't. So now what? You know, it's like, I don't, what, what do you say about something like that? It happened. Yeah. Yeah. For that time frame, and, and we moved on. Yeah. Well, well not everything's 100% perfect when somebody's on a learning path. It's, yeah. it's all new. Yeah. Everything was new for everybody. Right. No, I, I definitely agree, and I appreciate the attitude that, yeah, we made some mistakes. That's We made mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, that, how do you, how do you not in a learning situation? Um, Don't you look back on your life in high school and go, oh, my <laughs> freaking God, what I, the hell was I thinking? I, I definitely do, but yeah, just to play exactly. a little devil's advocate here. I don't claim that any of my life is particularly special, right? That I have some connection to God or I have special oh my God, knowledge, don't right? That's you. I can tell you. Wait, say again. My life was, I have a very special experience. It was awesome. That's all I can say. A lot uh-huh. of people had, will talk about the 60s and 70s, no matter what they were into, as being awesome. They're, they might not ever want to do it again, but they're so glad they did. <laughs> you know, I don't mean, yeah, it was, I don't mean, it was mean that my life wasn't pleasant. It was iconic. Uh-huh. Oh, it was such an iconic time. My right. God. Culturally and historically. Right. But and, also and you had a... And the renaissance mm-hmm. of that is happening now, which is unheard of. Renaissances don't happen for hundreds of years. But, you know, so much of the 60s and 70s is coming back around now. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, Sorry, I says, I, I'm just going to pull you back a little bit to where we were. Sure, um, but so Father Yo did sort of talk about himself in these glowing terms, right, where he sort of had this special access to divine knowledge and was called. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. So, oh. so if that's the case, then looking back and sort of saying, well, we made mistakes, what can you do? I mean, is that a little bit speaking out of both sides of your mouth? It was it was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. How can I be speaking out both sides of your mouth when you're living in a duality of learning good and evil, trying to figure it out? That's just the mm-hmm. path at the time, and that's what happened. So you would say that if if someone is claiming to have divine inspiration, you shouldn't necessarily assume that they have all the correct answers about just how to live everyday life. 
Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got to figure it out for themselves, too. Mm-hmm. But what we were given, like I said, it was like Spirit 101. I wouldn't have been able to have lived that kind of life unless I would have dropped out and become a monk somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know? which makes me wonder if, if you right now, let's say you were 19 and you re-inhabited your you know, 19, 20-year-old body, where would you be now? Where do you think kind of the spiritual movement is at? In this day and age? Yeah. I would be in what's happening to this generation, which is more of a worldwide humanitarian thing. We envisioned world peace back then. We thought for sure world peace was going to come within our efforts and our timeline. Mm. So if you, if you today with kind of that same energy and enthusiasm and, and spiritual connection, you think you'd be kind of moving towards maybe political action and also just involvement with finding solutions, not necessarily going to whatever, a guru? Yes, whatever it took to continue doing the work for the betterment of self and the betterment of all mankind and the betterment of this planet. And do you think there's anybody out there now who's kind of like Father Yod, a similar figure? I think this is a different time frame. I think back then we needed groups because we were going against society, so we had to be private and by ourselves to get on with it. By definition, Today, a counterculture, yeah. Yeah. Today, you don't have to be in private. You don't have to be in groups to do it. You can do it. The internet can connect you with others. Right, and that's the difference. Everybody can do their own spiritual practice, whether it's going to a yoga you know, class every week, or meditation, or doing retreats, or doing ayahuasca mm-hmm. retreats. <laughs> you know, people are doing the same things we did back then. They're just doing it. Different ways. It's being done now. Hang on there, Isis and Ross and Carrie. Mm -hmm. I gotta stop you there. Yeah, well, they're. Oh wait, you're this. You're this Carrie. Yes, yes. That Carrie. I'm a two day later Carrie. No, one day later. One day later. Yesterday. Yeah. Whoa. Time flies. I've been thinking if you were going to go live in a communal setting with lots of people, Mm -hmm. not be able to bring a lot of stuff. Okay. What are two things you would bring? Well, you want your own shoes definitely and uh probably i don't want to share a toothbrush i'd bring my own toothbrush exactly oh my god those are the two things i was thinking of yeah i guess that's three things the two shoes and the one toothbrush Uh uh-huh but i would count it it's funny that we'd both think of that because our show is actually sponsored in part by both a shoe company and a toothbrush company i want to hear about the shoe company first okay but then i want to hear about the toothbrush company (laughs) Okay, in reverse alphabetical order, Rothy's is a damn good shoe, Ross. Yeah, Rothy's are stylish, they're sustainable, they're comfortable, they're washable. Mm -hmm. Really, all in one pair of shoes. They're the perfect flats for life on the go. I agree. I have a pair of Rothy's. I like them a lot. They're cute. They're really comfortable. You Mm -hmm. don't have to break them in, which is big for me because I can so easily get those like Cut up heels, cut up toes. Oh, yeah. No, new shoes. no need to add the Band-Aid. Exactly. When you're wearing the shoes for the first time. And, uh, yep, my wife, Cara, she loves wearing them to really anything. They're kind of appropriate anywhere. Yeah. She'll wear them to the theater. She'll wear them. I was going to say she'll wear them to church. She doesn't go to church. <laughs> but if she did, she'd wear her Rothy's. If she's wearing her Sunday best, it might include her Rothy shoes. And Rothy's come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. And they're available in a range of styles like sneakers, loafers, points, 
And get this, more. More? They're also made from repurposed plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills already. And for that, I thank them. Yeah, that's by far the best thing about Rothy's. I-M-O. That means in my opinion. I'm very cool. And Rothy's own and operate their manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. And they ship directly in their shoebox. Thank God there's not a bunch of unnecessary packaging. Why do people do this? It's already a box. It's already a box. Oh, man, I'm so with you on that. We need to cut down on packaging, period. (gasps) So thank goodness they're sent in the shoebox because you're going to get one of those anyway. Right. Thank you, Rob. No brainer. So thank you for diverting water bottles. Thank you for only using the one box to ship and contain. And thank you for making awesome, comfortable shoes. Exactly. These are feel-good flats in more ways than one, people. So go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash oh no to get your new favorite flats. Check out all of the amazing styles available. You've got comfort. You've got style. You've got sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. So head to rothys.com slash oh no today. Wait, wait, Carrie. Yes. Ross, is it? Don't go away just yet, because I need you to tell me about this toothbrush. Clip, clop, clip, clop, walking away. Clip, clip, No, no, come back, come back. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Quip is a freaking great toothbrush. You ever used a Quip? Oh, yeah. I have one, and, uh, you know, I've never really been passionate about a toothbrush before, where I felt like a sense of ownership, but this is my toothbrush. Wow. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My friend Ross got me one for Christmas. Hey. Yeah, because I had misplaced my other one. That's a good friend. Oh, for sure. Yeah, quips are really great. They're affordable. Mm -hmm. They're uh, electric. They're compact, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. That was always kind of the turnoff for me with electric toothbrushes. You have to like plug this thing into the wall. Not this one. It's just a battery. Batteries. Put in a tiny battery in there. Part of a battery. Works Mm -hmm. for a very long time. And you know what quip wants you to know? Is that rhetorical? Hmm. Trying to decide. It was. It was (laughs) delivered rhetorically, but there is an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me what Quip wants me to know. Quip wants you to know that no matter what brand you use, if you have good habits, you're good. Good habits. We're talking about brushing for two minutes, twice a day, flossing regularly, and Quip makes all of that simple. Their electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. These are the non-BS forms of vibrations. Right. And Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months with free shipping. I bet you're wondering, where do I go? You go to getquip.com slash oh no right now for your first refill free. Spelled getquip.com slash oh no. Quip, the good habits company. And now... Back to the interview. Uh, looking back at that time where groups were kind of the essential medium for this sort of interaction to take place, one thing I noticed in the documentary and what I've heard since is that it really felt like the synthesis of just kind of grabbing the best ideas from wherever. And I know yeah. th- the documentary was mentioning, you know, Manly P. Hall, Father Bajan, uh, Alan Watts, and Krishnamurti. Uh, did you have much interaction with those other groups? There, there was one photo that almost looks like you were with one of the members of uh, Rajneesh Puram and uh, the Osho movement. Okay, we didn't know about them. I don't even know if they were, I think they were in India at the time. I don't think they were in America. Well, oh, okay. Time frame. There was a I photo with did. a bunch of people from the Source family in white and someone wearing that kind of. Oh, that was Shoki Bhajan. Oh. oh, okay. Yogi Bhajan was uh, Father Yod's spiritual father, and he became our 
spiritual grandfather. Right. That Father Yod moved on from the Eastern vibration. He said, we have to take this more to the Western vibration and not from things that are set in their books of 3,000-year-old practices. Mm. You know, he even knew then that it was it was time for a change, and he broke out of that. But yeah. he loved we loved Yogi Bhajan, and... Um, I saw that in the Honolulu Star Bulletin in 1976, one of your sister's astral, she said that Father Yoda wanted to believe in Yogi Bhajan, but couldn't. What do you think that means? Well, he, he saw things that happened that were against his consciousness. Oh, okay. And he, and he did something about it. Oh. That's the same thing you're asking, why did we in the Source family, if there was something against our consciousness, hmm. or mm. something we didn't agree to, why didn't we do something or say something? He did. Mm. He up to a lot. To what, Yogi what was happening? Especially about the treatment of women. Yogi Bhajan had his women. Okay. This is any kept him in the closet. He t- treated him very badly. And, oh, literally and in Jim, the closet? Well, the term, honey, the term. <laughs> okay. Oh, you mean like he hid them like a secret? Secretly. Okay, I see. He never admitted to it. Oh, you I see. funny. <laughs> well, I, I thought you might literally mean I a mean, closet. Yeah, put your closet away. Come on. I mean, you know, <laughs> gurus I do know. surprising things. I wish I, I wish we'd hung out more at the Cafe Gratitude. Oh, <laughs> that would have been fun. Us too, I know. Yeah. I wish you would have approached me. Come on. Oh, we should have. We didn't want to edge it on everybody yeah. else who already knew you. No, no, it would have been delightful. I would have loved it. <laughs> what What was your recollection of that night? And uh, was there anything that we kind of missed out in our recollection of it? Uh, no, that night was about an honoring of the past and bringing it into the present. It was honoring Father Yod and what we did in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and kind of passing the baton on over to this generation with what, you know, Ryland's doing in Cafe Gratitude, you know, this next generation and in, in, in appreciation, both of us, you know, they were so appreciative of what we did with the source and being part of the, the forerunners and the pioneers of that time. Mm-hmm. And then to see that what they're doing and carrying on with it, you know, it was just awesome on both of our part. Yeah, we certainly had a great time there, and it was and nice it to was, see you. It was, you know what, I, I think I said this that night, it was, it was the same energy that hit the 60s and 70s when something new was happening, you mm-hmm. knew it, and it was kind of like a, another portal that opened up, and it was like, a whole new energy got anchored. Mm. And it was funny because I, I don't know if you watch the Grammys, but... Sometimes. Uh, God, what is her name? Who was ever hosting it? That was the speech she gave. She said, this is a whole new time frame. Mm. She said, seize it. Let's, you know, walk forward in a different way. And that's basically what I was saying that night, you mm. know? You it's, know, you said something else that night that stuck with me. You said that Father Yod was in that room. You could sense him. How, oh, yeah. how often do you are you still in contact with Father Yod? All, well, all the time. He mind speaks to me a lot. The thing is, is how could I not be? I, I, you know, I've had the archives. I've been doing projects. I've been 
still living the energy and the legacy and working with it. It's not like I've stepped out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I've gone on and, you know, I've had my own life and I have a daughter, I have a granddaughter and I have mm. my own family. Mm-hmm. You know, this is still a, a, a working part of my life that never was severed or I never left because I was saving the legacy, you know, mm. so I was, I, I've been very immersed in it. Sure. Yeah. So, I definitely get why he's on your mind, but it sounds like yeah. you're saying he's literally talking to you, right? Well, it's, uh, it's called a mind speak. Okay. It, you know, it happens a lot to a lot of people that we, you know, when they get messages mm-hmm. and then I have to just discern whether that's true for me or not, if that's what I think or what I want to do. And it usually is. And do you feel that he's still existing in some form that can still interact with the world, or is it just that he's made such a potent imprint on you? Well, he's made an imprint on me, but what he does with everybody else, I don't know. You know, I'm sure, just look at Buddha, look at uh, Jesus, whether he was real or not. People say the same thing, you know. I hear Mm -hmm. him, he talks to me, I feel him, he's here. Mm -hmm. And the Dalai Lama says the same thing. We have a residue frequency that stays. I mean, the the planet is not left unprotected. Mm. Mankind is not left alone. And all the greats, by what they did, whatever power or energy they have, are always trying to help mankind. You know, people are always saying, an angel came to me, or I heard this, or I heard that. It's not uncommon. So you feel it's kind of the same phenomenon. And you know, death death does not end something with somebody. Death does not end the thread that you have with somebody. You come in with those threads. Mm. You know, that you're connected with certain people. Sometimes you absolutely know it. Have you not ever just met somebody and that was it? You knew. That you had like a previous connection from an earlier life? Well, yeah, whether you could figure it out or not. Hmm. Well, there was a guy at our table at Cafe Gratitude who felt that way about (laughs) someone else at the table. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh, and did you, you know, you had mentioned that song, Namyo Ringe Kyo. Oh, yes. Uh And that was so funny because that was Explosion's song. Was it? (laughs) Was that him singing? Yeah, and that that was his last chant because he came in from that to the family and father said well you can you can chant it one more time son and and now you're with me and so that was his whole thing that he did and i love that little thing that he did i think it's hysterical we had fun we had a sense of humor i will tell you we weren't no, that, that much is clear for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned death not being the end. And I know that I heard a clip of Father Yoda at one point talking about reincarnation. So I'm curious how this works. If, if Father Yoda is also speaking to you, uh, has he not reincarnated then? You can, you know, there's a, there was a saint named Padre Pio. I mm-hmm. don't know if you've ever heard of mm-hmm. him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Padre Pio had stigmata. But he was also known for appearing to many people at the same time. Did you know that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, you could look that up. That's very, it's very well known that he did that. Actually, okay. I think uh, would... they did talk about that at the uh, International Academy of Consciousness oh, okay. when we were right. attending classes there. It's not an unfamiliar thing. And, and I we will find, as we go into the these next years now, and then we do really start preparing for the age of Aquarius. And 
a higher level of consciousness and being. This is not unusual. This is the way it's supposed to be. There are dimensions. The veils are thin within these dimensions. People can really, literally go in and out of dimensions, and so can they, whoever they are. You know, I'm not saying I know exactly how it all works or why. Uh, definitely, we've heard these ideas elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it's I mean. It, it's something, it's like quantum physics finally hmm. proved religion and belief and what we took hmm. so long on just faith alone. Quantum physics just nailed it, you know, the whole thing. You know, 50 years from now, we're going to look like people are going to laugh at us how how primitive we were. That's probably true. Our spiritual awareness and being and what we thought and what we didn't believe in. You talked about that that transition uh, that happened, you know, with Father Yod's death. Uh, Were you there when that happened in Hawaii? Of course. I, I actually filmed him passing over. Do, do you feel that it was an accident, or is this something that was kind of cosmically intended to happen the way it happened? He had talked... He actually tried to disperse us before we moved out of L.A., mm. and oh, nobody to, would go. To kind of reduce the numbers, because it wasn't a no, ho- 140 he just, people. he just said, I've given you everything I, 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 I have, I mm. know, you don't need anything else. He says, it's time for you all now to go out on your own path. Okay. And we wouldn't go. So we all <laughs> moved to Kauai. He tried to disperse us there. Nobody would go. We weren't having it. He's like, leave and my then, party. This is my house. <laughs> yeah. And then we moved to San Francisco. And then he got really serious about it in San Francisco. And that didn't work for him either. Hmm. Nobody was having it. <laughs> okay. And so then we moved back to Hawaii. When this he, is just a he, test of our devotion. We will still stay with you. <laughs> no, go away. We were a family. <laughs> yeah. The majority of us never, ever, in our wildest imaginations, ever thought we were all going to be together in the old life and mm. watch each other pass over. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a, a thing that was meant to it happen for a, a certain time. One-hearted, one-mind, pretty much community family. Hmm. Okay. We were living in Hilo. One of his sons, Mercury, came to Oahu, who was a hand glider, a very famous hand glider, and he wanted to set the world record. So Father Yod said, well, I'm going to come over too. And he came over with a couple of his women, and then we got a house, and his women ended up coming over. We ended up staying for about six weeks because he went on this process. He says, you know, I this is enough break from the family. He says, I really need to disperse the family. He says, I just want to retire. Mm. You know, he said, everybody really needs to, you know, the, the little birdies need to get kicked out of the nest and they <laughs> need to go on to their own. And he didn't know how that was going to happen because we wouldn't leave. Mm. He could not figure out. He says, I'm done. Okay. And the thing about the tape projects that I did, by the way, which are being made into series, if you listen to him, he tells the whole story from the, from the man himself, from the real deal. That's why these tapes are invaluable. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I'm saying, he, he can be, you know, backed up on tapes that were recorded 40 years ago. So what happened was 
he decided he was going to go hand gliding. Now, he knew he couldn't just jump off a cliff. You know, he just wanted out. What do you Not mean he wanted was, out? He just wanted the family dispersed. He wanted to either retire. He actually didn't even want to be here anymore. He was. He felt he was done. And he, and he felt he was really ready to go on already. Okay, so it sounds like you're and, describing a suicide. No, because he, he couldn't do a suicide, and, and we all knew that. But what he did do is he definitely tested the boundaries. Okay. But this was so Jim Baker. This wasn't unlike any of the stories we ever heard of something that he, would, he, he had done. He was a stuntman, right? Uh, he kind of yeah, lived on the Jim edge. Yeah, Jim Baker had done, he was fearless. He done. He had done everything. Mm-hmm. Some of the stories he told us were like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> so you know, when he decided he was going to go hand gliding, why not? He was, was willing to accept just, that uh, his death that was might just be so the outcome. Baker. Okay. I mean, you know, it wasn't out of the ordinary for him to have done something like that. Nobody. We really weren't happy about it. We was like, "What?" Right. You know? Yeah, and he and said, it's, he, he it, said he said Jesus is the heir and he'll take care of me. Yeah, he left it up to fate. He really did. Okay. You well, know, he did, when he came, when he, 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 he was strapped into a hand glider right. and he flew off the cliff, the yeah. wind was whipping. And as soon as he went off the cliff, the wind stopped, and it was like, yeah, what a horrifying moment for you all. Yeah. What the heck just happened? And when we found him, and we went down and found him where he'd landed in this park, mm-hmm. I want to tell you something, and this is a true story, it can be verified. There was a policeman there, the ambulance, and the fire truck, and nobody had touched him, lifted him. They were standing by him, and it was like time had stood still. We, When we found him and we went to him, he was smiling. There was no blood. There was no broken bones. He said his back hurt. And to put him in the car and take him home. And at that moment, it was like everybody came to. And the policeman came over in the ambulance. And they wanted to take him. And he says, no, I'm fine. They're going to take me home. They mm-hmm. let us put him in the car and we took him home. And for nine hours, he went through... He said it was like a pain that was going up his spine, like each chakra. Mm-hmm. And it was like a birth. At that time that it was in a certain chakra, he would tell us where it is, and there was like a birth pain, and then he would have a, a, a downtime where there was no pain, like if you were giving birth. Mm. And then, then all of a sudden he was just gone. Mm. Nine hours later, we looked down and he was gone. Yeah, and was it you who said in the documentary that the coroner's report said that there were no broken bones and no internal injuries? Right. Hmm. So this was a whole, this was something on a whole other level. Hmm. And um, he got what he wanted. So, you know, whether it was right or wrong, I don't know, but uh-huh. this, was this journey wasn't ours, it was his. It became ours, of course. Um, did you get a copy of that coroner's report? Yeah, I have it. Oh, would you mind sending it over? It's not in the book. <laughs> would you mind sending it to us? Sure. Cool. That'd oh, be great. great. Thank you. Wait a minute. I, um, you know, I do. I have none of the archives here. You know that, right? Right. I, the archives are at a, a very prestigious 
special collections at UC UCSB. Barbara, yeah. So. Okay. So you think the coroner's report's there? Yeah. Oh, okay. But no, I'm, I I just have to. I'm sure I have a copy of it. Oh, okay. okay. Cool. Yeah. I'll just have to go find it. So In fact, I remember seeing it not too long ago. Clearly, you know, your experience has stayed with you and shaped your life. Now you live in Hawaii now, right? Do you live anywhere near kind of the site where you were at the time? Yes. I kind of yeah. I kind of am here. And I, I go back and forth to L.A. a lot because I do a lot of projects. Ah, yeah. I assume you're still uh, vegan or vegetarian? Um, pretty much. I do vegan and I do vegetarian. And I, you know, I'm not saying that I don't deviate here mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But, but know, primarily? But, yeah, pri- yes, absolutely. It, what, what drove that? Like when the restaurant was coming into vogue, was it about spiritual purity? Was it about saving the animals? Was it about the environment? Kind of what were the main reasons? All, all of the above. Mm-hmm. But it was basically the wisdom of what you eat. You know, you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. And no hurt or harm intended like to animals. I like uh, that. And there were so many greats of the past that were vegetarians, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Buddha, India, the state of India, basically, most of them had been vegetarians mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, a novel concept with a lot of people around the world. Right. And I'm not sure if Jesus was supposed to be vegetarian. I don't know. He just didn't like figs. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a but fisherman, so probably not. It was basically the wisdom of you can get everything you need out of, you know, your protein, your calcium. Mm-hmm. There's more protein, basically, in some food than there are in meat. Mm-hmm. So it's like you weren't going to whack anything. Uh, well, you're yeah. talking to a vegetarian and a vegan right now, so we're mm-hmm. on board. Oh, oh, very good, very good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ross, one hey. day later, Ross. Yeah, Carrie, what's hey. up? I've got to stop all y'all because I have a Jumbotron. A Jumbotron? Yes, this is a very special one. It's perfect for a Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> it is to Stacy from Fega. And Fega says, I am so lucky to have found a person who both understands that Keshrut is basically homeopathy, but wants to do it anyway. I'm so lucky that we have found one another and know that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Hopefully we are listening together. But if not, just pretend you are hearing this for the first time. Will Will you you marry marry me? me? But not us, Fega. Right. Don't marry us by accident. Yeah, yeah, that was that was Fega speaking. But uh, excited. Muzzle top. Yeah. Send us a send us a picture of you guys crying and kissing. Yeah. That's, like a respectable That's one. how we picture this going. Yeah. Yay, Jumbotron. Yay, Jumbotron. Okay, well. Back to the Back to the interview. interview. So let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned uh, the orgy that didn't happen, <laughs> but, the, but the Source family did have these sort of openly free ideas about sex, right? We had a, the, our open idea was, you know, sex was sacred. It, it, it was honoring each other. And you could be with whoever you wanted to be with as long as it was in agreement with everybody. Hmm. You know, we had couples. We had some of the brothers that had two or three women. It's not like it. It's not like um, just every day you could just pick somebody and be with them. It's like so it was kind was, of a, a monogamy, but a, maybe a serial monogamy. Yeah, there was an order in it. There's definitely order within it. It seemed like the implication huh? was that you sort of had this uh, sixth commandment of sorts that was really about one man and one woman and, and nothing getting in between them. 
And I think it was Robin saying in the documentary that there was a point at which Father Yod kind of stepped away from that. Well, what, okay, but that could also be looked at in another way. Okay. Let nothing, a man and his woman, let nothing separate them. Well, some men had more than one woman. It didn't mean one, one. Did some of the women have more than one man? There was a period there where, yeah, that, okay. was, that was experienced. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So that didn't last very long. Um, well, I, heard, I saw the term celibacy used in some of the old literature. So what did celibacy mean to you guys? We, we experienced everything. Mm-hmm. We, we took a lot of the Eastern traditions and the monastic rituals. You know, there was a point of, first of all, the celibacy came into play because when people were coming into the family, mm-hmm. we had a 30-day wait period that there was no sex with them in case they had any diseases. Hmm. How would you figure that out in those 30 days? Well, within 30 days, you're going to, if you have herpes, or it whatever would show signs. Have, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was a big play there. And also, you kind of get people out of their, what they would call your animalistic thoughts and bodies. And mm-hmm. sex was uh, gratifying and orgies and mm-hmm. more into the more spiritual side of sex. Okay. Being, you know, more spiritual and controlled. There was, you know, a point we went to where the man did not lose his seed unless he wanted to have a child. And that's tantric. Mm-hmm. You have mm. orgasm up the spine. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we experience different things. Yeah. yeah, so then was the object kind of that uh, sex is for procreation? No, sex is for enjoyment. Okay. But you don't have to lose your seed. Sure. It was being in control spiritually of your of your higher evolutionary process within the whole thing. Sure. Okay, well, since you mentioned the seed, I have an, an uncomfortable question for you, Isis. No, nothing's uncomfortable. Just okay, oh, well, I appreciate that. Um, so a former member reached out to me, and she said that there was a ritual in the Source family called Kadash, where a woman who is menstruating would lay down and Father Yod would choose a man to have sex with her. That man would ejaculate inside of her, then give her cunnilingus, um, extract that menstrual fluid and semen, then put it in the woman's mouth. She would swallow. And then this was continued with um, other men. What do you mean continued with other men? Uh, That then like another man would come and do the same. To that same woman? Uh, that's the impression I got. Now you're making me question that part. I'm not sure. Is no, that... That, 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 that wasn't true. There was a period where there was a, a, a form of practice called Kadash that was introduced, which is not something new also. Right. It's a Crowleyism. Well, it goes beyond that. You know, Crowley took things spiritually and made it his way. Mm-hmm. But where did Crowley get it? He didn't make it up either. These are all ancient Spiritual practices, if you want to know the truth. Okay, but so you anything, so you're saying that anything, is all accurate. Anything can be taken to the light or the dark, however you want. Sure. To use it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a high high ceremony that we did mm-hmm. for a short amount of time. Okay, like we did everything else. Yeah, and it was done in a very sacred way. Yeah, the- and there there is a theory behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, in, in spiritual practices mm-hmm. of the menstrual blood. Yeah. This this former member who I talked to, she felt like there was sort of a pressure inherent there that uh, Father, well, I, Father that, Yod was... That, again, was her experience. And, yeah. And I will absolutely give her her reality, whatever it was, mm. because, you know, she's not the only one that ended up feeling that way. Okay. I can't be. I am not responsible for what happened to anybody or how they took it or how they feel. Mm. I had my own understanding and my own experience with him. Mm-hmm. Whatever they had, they're going to have to take it up with him. Mm. Mm. Absolutely nothing to do with me, and I'm not going to assume that responsibility. Yeah. Well, I agree. But have you asked any of those people not to talk about the kadosh? They can do whatever they want. Right, but have you asked them not to? Well, in the beginning, everybody asked everybody not to. You know, people Mm. have children, people have kids, and they go, I don't want my kids finding out this. How do I explain something like this to them? Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when you come out of the closet, you know, there are no secrets. Everything's going to get exposed, not only with us, but Mm -hmm. it happens with everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I said... Mistakes were made. It got messy. Then there was misunderstanding. Definitely sounds and that's messy. That's the journey. That's the journey in anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess what we're I'm in s- the now. We're in the now. We we are in the now, but in in the now, we're you know you're still going on events and talking about the source family and talking about it as the sort of idyllic experience. You know, the suggestion seems to be these are this is a lifestyle we could all sort of right, carry, em- emulate carry, to some degree. Carry. ISIS is it? Yes, Isis, I'm here. Okay. Do you sit and talk about family skeletons and secrets? Do you do you I I don't know if I understand the question. Okay. Do you keep things that you've done in your high school years or there are things you've done that you don't probably want anybody to know about. Why? Because why? It's not going to be understood, uh-huh. and what purpose does it have? So you're grilling me, which is okay. I don't mind. Part of the process, it happened, and and there you go. Well, I appreciate but, you saying but, but that. But you kind of seem like like this is just you know everybody's got something they probably think would be best, or what what purpose does it serve? Well, is that a real question? Do you want me to answer? Yeah. What purpose does it serve? Okay. It was something that was we went through. It was mm-hmm. at that time. It was for us. Mm-hmm. And it was in a vibration and understanding of that time. Right. Okay. So what uh, purpose does it serve is the question? Yeah. How is purpose yeah. in the now does it serve? Okay. So in the now, Isis Aquarian is going around and she's talking about the Source family and she's promoting it. And it's a very idyllic view. And Isis Aquarian is also saying to me, well, this is what my experience was. Other people are welcome to talk about theirs, you know, and giving this sort of even-handed approach. While on the other hand, you're also saying, but do we tell each other not to talk about experiences they think are traumatic? Yes. And I, I think that's not great, right? I mean, I think that that, no, I, I, that I puts out a story you. that is I, incomplete. I, 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 I agree with you on that, and I, and I made it very clear that in the beginning, I'm not the only one. We all asked each other 
I'm not the only one that said no. Don't don't talk about I, it. I don't suppose you are. Everybody said it, but that was part of the process of just getting over the hump of that too. You know, when family secrets start coming out that you know aren't going to be understood, mm. you would rather they didn't. I'm at a point now where, you know, of course, let let this person tell their side of the story. It's their side of the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have mine. You're talking to me. Yeah. And I make it very clear that everybody has their own reality. I make it clear that this is just mine. And I make it very, very clear why it's mine, mm-hmm. you know. And I make it very clear that, you know, other people don't have the same reality. Well, uh, I, I think I've always made that clear. Yeah. Well, well, looking at the now, if you met somebody who was young and just now going into a group, a different group, but, you know, there are many out there, I don't know, would you give them any kind of warnings? Would you say, watch out for this sort of thing or make sure to put down your foot if you see this? Or, you know, if you see something, say something. Is there any advice along those lines you would give somebody now? Um, I have had reactions myself to things that have happened recently mm-hmm. in some groups. Ah, okay. So I, I, I know that feeling. But people, every experience somebody has or gets into, it's their process. There's a reason that, that, that that's happening to them, and it's for their learning experience. I would, if somebody were to ask me, I would say, yeah, you know, don't, if something doesn't feel right, either say something or leave. You don't mm-hmm. have to be there. If if you but could, if that's that's tough. But if but something yeah. feels right, mm-hmm. and you're that's your experience, and you're going to come out the other end learning something, that's great. <laughs> what happened to us was for that time. If if you but, had the ability to kind of go back in time, is there anywhere you would sort of inject yourself and try to change things? Would you try to? talk Father Yode out of getting on the hang glider? Would you? Is there any spot that you would have your voice be heard? Well, we all asked him not to go. Mm. You know, that didn't work. We all try to talk him out of it. It's, nobody agreed to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Were there any other times then? If you could go back and kind of tell yourself to do things differently, would you? Would you tell yourself that from high school? Oh, there's. I, yes. I definitely would tell myself in high school yes. not to do things, yeah. Yes, but what good would that have done? That was your experience. Mm. And if you'd gone back and made it all perfect and stopped everything... I'd be a different me. Exactly. So it's kind of, if you really get into it and start thinking about it, with anything that happened in history, I used to always say, how come those holocausts happened? People knew what was happening. Why didn't they get out before they got on the train? Wait, you know. Sorry, what? Do you mean the concentration the camp? Holocaust. Right. Yes. Yeah. Why didn't well, the concentration camp victims get off the train? Well, yeah, they certainly well, didn't have they, the option. Why did they even? They could have left the cities. They knew what was happening, and they knew what was coming. Uh, well, people attempted to leave in droves, but were often, you know, chased with guns and killed on the. Well, that was at a certain flight. point. Was sealed up, but before that. They, they knew to get out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to see in, uh, in it, hindsight. Exactly. Not so easy. Hind- exactly. Yeah. It would have changed the whole thing. So but that would be a good change, right? No Holocaust would it be would kind be of a, a thumbs good, up. Yes, it would have been a good change, a 
and that's what we do now. We change things now. We learn from them, mm-hmm. and that's how you change things. You don't go back and change them. You change them now. Sure, but but looking back with a sort of healthy regret can be a good way to make sure that your yes. future behavior oh God, is more yes. aligning with, with your values, and, and right? That's, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to go through your whole life river and reflect on it and adjust it. What would I have done different? What wouldn't I have done? Okay, great. So so I think Ross's question then is looking back at your life river and saying, what could I have adjusted to uh, end up in? Yeah, what are some things you would have adjusted? I probably would have been more receptive to the family as a whole. Mm. You know, been more involved with people from more of a heart level than an authoritarian. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Did you see yourself as kind of a leader who exercised a certain amount of authoritarianism? Yes. Yes. Oh. And and being more compassionate and kind and hmm. maybe more loving and more understanding and more involved. Would I have changed anything with Father Yod? Not with him and I. Mm-hmm. No, we all try to talk him out of the hand gliding. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like I didn't, I honestly can't say, I'm really trying, yeah. but I, I honestly can't say I found a whole lot of fault with a lot of it because I knew we were just on a journey. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a process. And as anything that happened from the beginning of that family, we went through it, we were out of it, and we moved on. Mm-hmm. It was a pattern. Yeah. And the, the life experience was amazing. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I saw his journey different, I think, than a lot of people did. I saw that it was his journey, mm-hmm. what was happening, and I agreed to have his back. Yeah. That was my role. So for me to see it otherwise is so hard, mm-hmm. and yeah. I honestly authentically try (laughs) (laughs) but that just does was not my understanding Hmm. and experience with it and I do have great empathy for those that have a different you know experience in it in any way that they came out hurt or affected or damaged that's that's not no that's not good and you're and And you're okay with those people speaking out of course. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, that's their right. Yeah, good. What uh, am I going to do? You know? <laughs> um, well, so since you mentioned having been an authority figure, was that partly after Father Yod's passing when there was sort of a, a female-led no. group for a second? No, that was pretty much from the beginning. He, okay. He made me the, you know, the family administrator. And, mm-hmm. and did, did that mean you oversaw finances? We all, there are people that did finances. That, what was, what that, were your roles? You know, just the running of the family and the duties and uh, a buffer between the family and father. If somebody had a complaint or an issue. An adjudicator of sorts. Yeah. Oh, you were like the executive assistant. Oh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Major domo. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I've got to ask some fun questions. Uh, Yay! Okay. <laughs> Are there any good stories you have? Because we were joking about, you know, white clothes being such a bold statement. How did everybody get their white clothing? And were there ever any wild stories of white clothes getting dirty? 
I, you know, we had wash machines and dryers. And <laughs> oh, all the conveniences. We kept clean and white. You know, when you get really used to wearing the white, it's not that hard to keep up. Okay. Well, hats off to all of you. How did you I avoid know. getting menstrual fluid on your white gowns? <laughs> we made our own pads. We made them out of terry cloth, and they were tripled over. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Heavy duty. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. After a while in the family, because of our diet, and we were all kind of on the same frequency, we didn't really have a lot of body odor. Even when we went to the bathroom, you know, our bowel movements didn't really smell. Well, that's good when you've got 140 people sharing three bathrooms. And our menstrual periods were not that long. Okay. Hmm. Or I would say heavy. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, we, we figured it all out very well. We bought homespun. It's a cotton material to make our robes, and then we got into satin and silk. And I don't know. It just, it, you know, people had duties. You know, people kept the clothes clean. Okay. And it worked, it worked very well. You know, you have a, that many people, and, and everybody's got to be doing something. Everything gets done very well, very yeah. efficiently that many people. You mentioned people coming to the, the restaurant, even celebrities. Did you have any fun interactions with celebrities? Mm, we were basically, they didn't really affect us a lot. I mean, we weren't like starstruck. We were more starstruck with ourselves, <laughs> you know, and what we were doing. And these were all people that a lot of us had already known anyhow, because we were, a lot of us were from that industry. Oh, right. Father Yod knew all of them. You know, when the musicians came in, like John and Yoko and stuff like that, you know, we would go, ooh, John and Yoko's here. I, I would freak out over that. Yeah, that would really had nothing to do with our way of life or what we were doing. And we, we did a very good service. And that's why one of the reasons we were so successful, people knew that they could come there no matter who they were, and they were going to be okay. Mm. They could just come and eat. You know, they weren't going to be bothered. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did you get to meet Bud Court? Yeah. Yeah, what's oh. he like? Bud Court was awesome. Yeah? In the early days. Harold know? and Maude is he one of Carrie's favorites. He didn't favorites. stay that long. He, he, he left. Okay. I noticed in the music there's a lot of Father Yod whistling. Was that something he kind of did all the time or around the Source family? No, just musically. Oh, okay. And now I picture him kind of whistling all the time. All right, I've changed that picture. Oh. <laughs> Uh, there are so many interesting names in the Source family. Zinaru, Harvest Moon, Aquarian, uh, Octavius, Jin, Orbit, Electra, Galaxy, Electricity, Magus. How did people get these names? Did they choose them themselves? Did Father Yod give them their names? Um, in the beginning, what happened was, uh, do you know who Manly P. Hall is? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I love him. The uh, Philosophical Research Society here in L.A. is yeah, just down the street. The Secret Teachings of All Ages yep. mm-hmm. was Familiar. the Bible to begin with for the hippies and the flower children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we all knew that. Well, Jim Baker had, was going to his classes, and Jim Baker and him were very good friends. Oh, and, nice. And the early days of the Source family, one day, Manly called and asked Father to come over. He had something to give him. So Father went with a couple of us, and I happened to be one of them. Manly gave him a piece of paper, and it had 50 names on it. Hmm. Here are 50 names. He said, let your family pick out what name they 
they like or vibrate to or you give the name to somebody. And he looked at me and he said, you're Isis. Oh. So and that's our experience with starting of the names. I didn't know who Isis was. I thought it was a dorky name. <laughs> I didn't want it. I didn't like it. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and, oh. uh, you gave it back at first. Yeah, Father Yod looked at me and he says, "Yes, you are." So oh, that, 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 yeah. Now you prefer that as as your name? Well, right? it, it's just I don't know if I prefer it. I'm just used to it. Okay. You know? On your on your legal I, documents, are you still Charlene Peters? I'm Charlene Peters, but I also legally have an AKA. Ah, right. Ah, okay. Nice. Because we all legally had our name changed. Yeah, I noticed right. that they were saying some even chose the as their middle name, so they'd be Magus well, the Aquarian. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's funny. So then, then as things went on, Father would name people. Sometimes other people would say, oh, a good name would be, and Father liked it. Is it tough to be named Isis in the <laughs> the last decade? Uh, I feel like your your name is on the headlines <laughs> a lot. Oh, my God. Talking about the it's Middle East. Kind of a... <laughs> Definitely a, um, a weight, a burden. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm icy. It's like, oh God, do I have to go through this again? <laughs> and I, I, I realize you're saying ICs rather yeah. than ISIS. I say ICs. ICs. Okay. So, whatever. Whatever. Oh, very you wanna, good. However you want to say it. Interesting. You know, I noticed that in one of the. Um, uh, materials that said that you all weren't supposed to use drugs, but then there was also some clear using pot and mushrooms. Was that a thing that just kind of uh, evolved? No, we did, we weren't using mushrooms. An adept came one day and brought mushrooms to Father, and he mm. used them. Mm. I think a couple of people that were there at the time did. Okay, it's not like mushrooms were passed out to the whole family. Not a common thing. No, it wasn't common at all. Our practice was we used the herb, the sacred herb, marijuana, once in the morning for meditation. Mm-hmm. And it was a six-second hit, and that was it. However, I have found out, of course, over the last couple of years in talking to people, that there were people that did it off and on on their own. They snuck it somehow. Oh, okay. How I didn't know about that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's people that's people in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Well, and I no shade for people who smoke pot. I was just curious. So, is it sort of like when you're using it in the morning with the meditation? That's not so much a drug as a spiritual tool. Well, that it was a spiritual practice. Yeah. Okay. Other than that, we weren't supposed to. Gotcha. So, what what people ended up doing? I don't. What can I say? Yeah. It wasn't a. a, a a normal thing or a group thing or a family thing. Sure. Are there uh, any special days on the calendar that you kind of observe in particular, like maybe the birth of Jim Baker or the... the well, July 4th, I always think of his birth, Jim Baker, and then August 25th, the day he passed over. Mm, that's my wife's birthday. Think, oh. oh, okay. I do think of that. Other than that, no. Born on the 4th of July. Okay, now <laughs> yeah. I will associate him along with Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> he was very patriotic, by the way. He loved the whole Founding Fathers thing. And we had the 13-star flag in our driveway. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I noticed that in the documentary, there was a baby born who was swaddled in an American flag. He was very patriotic. Yeah, you mentioned at the, the dinner where we saw you that uh, he wouldn't vote in this current climate. I don't, I mean, I can't, who knows? 
Mm-hmm. I don't think he would. Fair. Okay. Maybe he would have. You know, maybe he would have. We had all gone down in droves, 150 of us, and voted. <laughs> well, may know, I don't know. Yeah, of course you don't know. I just don't <laughs> think so. Yeah. I have a hard time trying to figure it out because I don't want to be part of something that's not right. Mm. Oh, uh-huh. You know, sure. it's like, what do I do? You know, I just want this to be right, whatever it is. Oh, and yeah. Who the hell knows? Mm. At this point, what's going on? I'm, it's very perplexing. Uh, as someone who works in the elections, as a poll worker, I certainly feel it's a good patriotic duty for everyone to, at least according to their conscience and where they see uh, yeah. the future going. To no, no, make their I vote. do too. I, 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 I think that I'm, I, I don't know what he would do. I don't know why I said that. No, That's okay. What came through? I don't, I don't think he would have gotten involved with politics, but mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Uh, Do you have the sort of ongoing relationship with him where that's a thing you could ask him? I don't really ask him questions like Mm. that. Oh, okay. Um, I'll try. Yeah, try. I'll let you know if anything (laughs) comes through. Oh, we'd love to hear it. And of course, if you're ever in LA, we'd be happy to, to make up for not uh, seeing you before. So uh, you yeah, ever, yeah. Next time I come connect. to LA, for sure, I'll let you guys know. We could do lunch or something. Oh, hey, that that'd great. be fantastic. We'd love to see you. Also, Philip Gillespie. Um, I think you guys should do an interview with him. Oh, we'd love to talk to him. I've been meaning to reach out to him. So uh, yeah, you should we'll do that. He's, 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 he's into it. Is he the historian? Yeah. Oh, cool. He's awesome. He's absolutely awesome. He's brilliant. Yeah, we'd like, yeah, to, like to meet him. I have one last question, Isis. So since we were talking about uh, Father Yod's passing in 1975, that reminded me that that was the year that he predicted we'd go into nuclear war and the worldwide population would fall by 30%, which, you know, yep. it didn't. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were in that mentality. Yeah. But you know what? Everybody yeah. was at that time. We all had the same mentality that a war was coming. Right. It was revelation. It was the biblical predictions. Uh, we weren't the only ones that oh, were riding that you, way. The you certainly sure. weren't. You have to realize that starting from the 40s, we came out of war with Hitler. The 50s was... I remember having to duck under desk for drills from Cuba. No, oh, yeah. Castro was going to... I mean, we have, since the 40s, been living in the threat of war and mankind being annihilated. That all makes perfect sense from the mindset yeah, we of the we average person. We the only ones that that, yeah. that that was a mindset that hit the whole planet for some reason. Right. I guess what I'm what I'm thinking though is that that puts Father Yoda in the mind space of everybody else, right? He's not any particularly more wise than anybody else. No, no, that was something that definitely was a, a mindset of very many people. Mm-hmm. That, uh, okay. A totally totally random question, but as I was looking oh. at, there was a little poster behind us uh, at the dinner, and there was a group photo, and uh, Father Yoda was looking very Moses-like there. Great assortment of people around him, and there was a large sign, and it said, "Go." in capital letters. Do, yeah. Do you remember that? Where do, do we know? go? Yeah, yeah. What, what was that all about? Okay, that was when we were living at, in Nichols Canyon in what we called the Father House. Oh, yeah. Home. So the Mother House was the Chandler House, and then you moved into Father Nichols House. Canyon. Yeah, right. the Nichols Canyon. Okay. Up on a little hillside, he made a path, and he put a tent up there. He had a tent that gave him some privacy. He would go up there during the day if he wanted to just meditate or be alone or Hmm. have some space, 
because as long as he was down at the house, you know, everybody was always around him or stopping what they were doing to just sit around him. Sure. So there would be times that, you know, he would just go up to his tent. And so he had the sign. <laughs> oh, okay. To literally Saying, go you know, away. <laughs> Give me some yeah, peace. Yeah, go. You can come up and see me if you want. Or the other side said stop. That meant he, he, he wanted to be alone. Ah, oh, wow. I see. Okay. This guy was really yeah. trying to get some privacy. Well, yeah. Who can blame and, him? Uh, I love that shot of him looking like Moses with the family. We call that the Aquarian Exodus. Okay. We pointed out there was another photo where he looked very much like Gandalf the White, you know, from the Tolkien novels. Was there any kind of, uh, did he ever reference those or kind of visually, was he going for a certain aesthetic? No. I I think it's a natural evolution of people that get into spirit like that and they start growing their beard and their hair. Sure. They all kind of have a similar energy and vibration and look. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We spent some time with a group called uh, Ekinkar mm-hmm. and a lot of their uh, religious yeah. paintings on the ethereal plane exactly. very much look like meetings from Lord of the Rings. So there's some yeah. uh, overlap there. Yeah, it's certainly just sort of the natural version of the modern cis male if i if i stop shaving and as i grow older i will also look like that that. yeah my dad looks very much like santa claus (laughs) oh it's true i've met him oh that's so funny ross's dad i haven't met santa claus (laughs) is there anything we didn't ask you about that you wish we had i don't know know, i I do i don't prepare for interviews because everybody pulls out something different or i'm able to explain something in a different way or i even get a different revelation Hmm. on it Mm. You know, I've learned so much myself by feedback or what I even, how I even answer something. Mm-hmm. You know, I have maybe new revelations myself and new reality within it. Mm. So I like, I like people just whatever they pull out of me, whatever they want to know. It's different every time. Well, we appreciate you being open to all of these questions and being so open with your memories and recollections and, uh, and where you're at now. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Isis. This has been so wonderful. And I know that our listeners will really love this episode. So thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. Hey, it's Ross and Carrie back from the future. Well, that was a fun interview. Yeah, it was heavy, but it was good. Carrie was nervous going into this. Mm -hmm, That's right. And I was nervous to see what Carrie was going to do. No, (laughs) I I was eager to see kind of how this questioning would go. And uh, I really appreciate Icy's being willing to to go with us on that. um, Yeah. To, I think, be very candid. So we do want to thank Icy's Aquarian. There are also a few other people who contributed to this episode, and I'm going to tell you how. So a little bit of an update on the coroner report. Yeah. So Isis did send it to me. Mm -hmm. She sent me actually two pages that I think she had taken a photo of with her phone. And I'm not sure that that's the whole report, but it's the part that she felt was relevant to the points she was making. So as you'll recall, she said that there were no internal injuries, no broken bones. And so the death was sort of, you know mysterious right so he crashed during a hang gliding accident that seems like a pretty simple straightforward cause cause and effect effect, but she's making it sound like there's still a mystery there right so she sent me a lot of emails after this interview ended and one point she made was that many gurus and spiritual leaders do 
claim that they plan to leave the body voluntarily. Oh, yes, the Mahasamadhi. Right. And of course, many of us are familiar with the idea of the corpse that doesn't decay that shows that that person's holy. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of mythology around the deaths of a spiritual leader. The incorruptible saints. Right. Seems like that's kind of what she was going for here. But she sent that on over and the cause of death is listed as unknown. Mm-hmm. Um Of course, that means just what it says. That doesn't mean it's uh, a miracle. It just means this particular pathologist didn't figure it out. I don't know, Carrie. It's unknown. (laughs) But under summary of principal pathological findings, it says fracture of sternum. Oh, that's a bone. That's a bone. And a fracture is a break. And that makes it a broken bone. And it also notes that his body had severely decayed by the time the autopsy was performed because they had kept him in a warm room for about three and a half days. Hey, Hawaii, yeah. Yeah. What do you expect? (laughs) After he had died, they held vigil for three and a half days. So the body was decomposing in this house. So uh, I reached out to Caitlin Doty, who you're a big fan of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's a fantastic author of Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? From Here to Eternity. Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Yeah, all great books. Yeah. So I reached out to her and she didn't answer. Well, she had someone. No, I'm just kidding. I was just trying to build it up and knock it down. Oh, I got uh, you. Her, her assistant answered and said, well, she's not quite the right person for this, but here's her her colleague. We still love you, Caitlin, if you want to come on the show. <laughs> uh, but her colleague is equally cool. Her name's Judy Melanick. She's a forensic pathologist, and she's the author of the books Working Stiff and First Cut. Ooh, yes. new books I want to read. Now we have to read those. So she was so helpful. She had sick kids this week. She, she dropped her kids on the floor, and she said, let me help carry wow yeah oh that's great <laughs> um and i think you sold this pretty well you wanted to know about a, a guru with a coroner's report that that's pretty enticing <laughs> yeah okay good but thanks to her yeah oh indeed so she looked at it she said okay well after three days at room temperature the skin will become brown and green and discolored and it's gonna obscure external evidence of injury mm-hmm. um so that explains there being not a lot here for the coroner to report on said it could be that the body was so markedly putrefied that the pathologist couldn't definitely identify the trauma because of the breakdown of the organs. Mm. And she said, there's no spinal injury listed, but it's not clear to me whether the spine was even examined. And then uh, and then in response to Isis's contention that he had no broken bones, she said, well, a fracture of sternum indicates that there's at least one broken bone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's still pretty impressive to fall to your death and... Only break one bone, but that is a bone. Oh, sure. But she's saying it probably wasn't just one bone. Right, right, yeah. yeah. She said if a person fell from a great height and sustained a sternal fracture, then there may have been other bleeding into like the sac surrounding the heart, the Mm -hmm. lungs, the pleural cavities. And she said all of these could cause the back pain we heard about when he was dying, a slow, painful death. And she said, I'm missing the descriptions of these organs in the sheets you provided me it doesn't look like you got the full report. Mm. And she, then she said, I think you've not been given the full report for a reason. Oh, wow. Okay. More, so, more to that story. Yeah. So I so I summarized that reply for ICES and I said, yeah, can you send me the rest of the pages of this report? And ISIS suddenly remembered that she is on deadline and she can't get to that right away. But she did note that she believes fracture of the sternum indicates a crack and not a break. Okay. And she said, autopsies can be performed many days after the death of a body even after this three-day vigil in a warm room, that wouldn't affect the coroner's ability to do an autopsy. So I relayed that to Dr. Milinic, and she said, that's absolutely not true. Okay. Yeah. Even the Bible 
tells us. John eleven thirty nine says, Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there you go. And that is noted on this report that the body smelled. So, so far we have a very human body doing the same thing mm-hmm. you would expect anybody to do. Right. So Isis also emailed after this to say uh, she just wanted, she couldn't think of that word, uh, that Jewish word for community. Yeah. It's kibbutz. Ah, all right. Good on her for following up. So I mentioned during this interview that I had spoken to a former member who had, you know, these um, this much darker story to tell. I talked to her afterward, and she had just finished listening to our first Source Family episode. So oh, she yeah. She had a lot of thoughts to relay, and I, I okayed with her reading a few of her thoughts. This is just a tiny, tiny fraction of everything she shared with me. Mm-hmm. She did ask to remain anonymous, but she said, The question you posed to Isis about who Jim Baker would vote for in 2020... Uh, The reality was that nobody watched the news or watched TV during the entire six years. None of us knew anything about what was going on in the real world. That's one of the things that really bothers me, how many historical events that I missed out on during those lost years being in the Source family. That's interesting. I wonder if it was one of those situations where there's sort of a rule or an expectation, but the leader can flout that. Because I, I remember in the photos of Father Yod, one of them was him sitting reading a newspaper. Oh, okay. I mean, that's one moment sure. uh, in many years. Yeah, I didn't take it to mean that it was um, a prohibition of the news and so on, but just that like... De facto, nobody was yeah, doing Yeah, nobody that. was doing it. But I wonder if he was still tapped in on some energies. level. Yeah, could be. Interesting though. Uh, so I also asked her to clarify about the Kadosh. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I kind of went through that whole explanation of what it was, Icy stopped me at the very end and she had a problem with the end of the description. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, that, the yeah. do it with another person now. Right. And so I asked this person again and said, did I did I misunderstand that part? And she said, no, Isis might not have been ordered to quote unquote feed one quote unquote son after the next. So you following what feed is? Okay, yes, yeah, now. Okay. Now I do. And she said, but I, I was. I was ordered to do that, which to this day is the thing that haunts me the most Aww. and is the thing that I'm most ashamed about having done. Hmm. Jim Baker ordered me to feed three sons in a row, one after the other, in order in a little redwood building that was called the Temple. And so that is burned into my memory. And I know of many other of the women who were ordered by Jim Baker to feed multiple sons. I was penetrated separately by each one and forced to endure that deviant ritual three times in a row. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, uh, one thing that she really wanted to drive home was that she feels that there is this sort of loving celebratory. What's the word? Yeah, yeah. In, In retrospect about Jim Baker and that there's just really no balance there of like mm. the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and in particular, she felt like his attitude toward women was pretty awful. So she said, Jim Baker saw a woman's role as a subservient and obedient one to men. A woman's role or duty was only to serve and inspire her man. And even after Jim Baker died, Makushla was elevated to being the head of the Source family. And she had a schedule where each woman had to record when and which son she fed. And she said it didn't stop even after the bastard was dead. And we mean fed in that same sexual yeah. sense. Okay. Right, right. So yeah, these women were being like, in, in this woman's recounting, these women were, were being like, 
forced to sexually serve the men in the group. Okay. Well, thank you to that former member for sharing (laughs) all that. That's not easy to talk about. Absolutely. So, yeah, I wish that we could have that particular former member on, but she wishes to stay anonymous, understandably. But we are reaching out to some other people and hopeful that we can uh, widen the breadth of this story. Here, as Isis would say, everybody's experience and memory and uh, what they recall. Everybody has a different experience. Mm-hmm. We find this in so many things these days where you have to take a full picture of everybody. Everybody contains complexity and good mm-hmm. and bad mm-hmm. uh, in different measures. So, yeah. Um, yeah, good to get the full picture. Exactly. Well, well, on that really upbeat note, happy Valentine's Day <laughs> happy again. Happy Valentine's Day. And let's all remember that Faga and Stacy might be tying the knot. Yeah. Yeah. In a very egalitarian and equal relationship. <laughs> yes, yes. Where no one is seen as subservient. Um, yes, hopefully. I don't know them. Or their genders or anything about them. But they seem great. (laughs) And that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Ian Kramer is our administrative manager. You can find us on social media and get all kinds of commentary and images and shared links and all kinds of great stuff. So you should do that. Facebook.com slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. Twitter.com slash podcast O-H-N-O-P-O-D-C-A-C-T. Uh, you can also support us at MaximumFun.org slash donate. But you can also support us just by telling your friends and sharing us online, leaving us a positive review. We really appreciate that. It, it's always really fun to hear from people for whom our show has been a comfort a companion, and in some cases has, you know, really had an impact on their lives. Uh, That means a lot to hear that. So uh, thank you for all the many ways that you support us emotionally, financially, and... And physically, the people who just walk around holding me in the air. Thank you for that. Yeah. Why don't they do that to me? Oh, they don't. And remember, just be kind, no hurt or harm intended. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the match game. Our contestants, Aneke and James, from the hit podcast Minority Corner. Hey. I'll ask you questions in a rapid-fire round. Favorite character on a Shonda Rhimes show? Olivia Pope. Ooh, I said Olivia Pope's wig. Mm. Oh, so close. How do you feel about Disney? They need to pay reparations to black people because Mickey Mouse was based off of blackface. I said get rid of the racist rides, Jungle Cruise, Splash Mountain. Mm. Who are you voting for in the primary? It's too damn early. I'm just getting to know these fools. Mm. Ooh, no dice. What celebrity do you side-eye the Kevin Hart. Can we get a real apology for your homophobia? Justin Timberlake. Nipple game. Favorite superhero movie? Black Black Panther. Panther. Wakanda Forever. Congratulations. But you still lose. Now I'm side-eyeing you. Catch Eneke and James, the Wonder Twins of Podcast, on Minority Corner every Friday at Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.